Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I, I think the, the discussion and the transparency about those is so important. But the ability for the IPs to trust the surrogate in what, what is happening requires that conversation to be nice and early on in that journey. So everybody knows what's likely to happen, and you're going to likely have that discussion. And then come the end of it, you have that discussion again and, and pull your, your trust together. Hello and welcome to My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast. I'm your host today, I'm Wes. And today we're going to be speaking to the delightful Gina Kinson and Andrew Spearman, all about your surrogate's expenses. This episode is really interesting because you're going to hear perspective from myself as an intended parent and I have a very clear view on expenses. You're going to hear from a perspective of a surrogate from Gina, but we're going to also top that off with a real clear understanding of where we stand from the law point of view with Andrew. I think it's fair to say that there's very little guidance on expenses and often it can be a really grey area which both surrogates and intended parents struggle to understand. What I'm hoping that you get from the episode today is a little bit more guidance, a little bit more clarity and help you understand each side of the dynamic and how you can navigate through that. So why don't you just sit back and enjoy our conversation about the money. Welcome Andrew and welcome Gina. I think a good place to start is always with what does the law say? And one of the reasons Andrew is here today is because Andrew is our advisory board member, which represents anything legal. And I think it would be a really good place to help the listener understand where the law stands with regards to expenses. In a nice, woolly, unhelpful way, it's quite broad. So the uh, parental order that you need to apply for as part of your uh, surrogacy journey or at the end of your surrogacy journey. And for listeners who are aware of it, that that's the parental order is the transfer of legal parenthood from the surrogate and their husband or wife to the uh, intended parents. One of the criteria that you have to persuade the court is that you have paid uh, reasonable expenses to your surrogates uh, as part of the journey. And so that illustrious phrase reasonable comes up time and time again. It's certainly something I have repeated conversations with my clients about. What is a reasonable expense and how do you communicate that uh, between you and your surrogate? So the dynamic you're going to have today is like, so obviously Gina is a surrogate, so we're going to hear a perspective from a surrogate. I'm an intended parent, so you're going to hear my perspective. But also there's someone in the middle of us, which appears to be Andrew, and he's going to be an umpire in the middle, but also help us understand anything that we say and how that applies to the law. Um, I usually have an opinion on everything. So, you know, it doesn't even have to be law, really. I'll just venture a voice out. Let's keep it on topic. Oh, OK. So Gina... Expenses. What do expenses mean to you as a surrogate? So as a surrogate, the expenses incurred in a pregnancy are all the monies that you spend 
whilst you are pregnant. Pre-pregnancy expenses are separate, so that's the money that you spent trying to get pregnant. Once you are pregnant, the money that you spend attached to the pregnancy, so that might be travel costs to and from the clinic, to scans, any fuel costs, any train fares, any taxis, anything like that, costs that, for argument's sake, if you were ill, if you had to go to a scan, time off, clothes, maternity clothes, anything that you spend, if you have any things that you like to eat that's extra, if you've been too tired, maybe you've got a cleaner to help you. So anything that you spend that is in direct relation to the pregnancy would come under expenses. And actually, we were chatting before the podcast and Andrew had a really good phrase, which I think might help people understand what would be deemed as an expense. Andrew, give us that little gem. Uh, It's a a little bit legalistic to start with, but if you bear with me, I'll explain it through. It's something that we call a but-for test. And a but-for test is something you uh, lawyers will chat about and expenses, I think, falls neatly into this as well. So would the expense have been incurred but for the surrogacy? So day-to-day expenses and travelling around could be a a reasonable expense. But the the argument you look at there is, okay, so is she travelling to the clinic? So that's something she wouldn't have done but for the surrogacy. Is the surrogate um, having to buy items of clothing? Well, the surrogate has to buy clothes generally. But is there an item that uh, your surrogate has bought specifically for surrogacy and here obviously examples are maternity clothing she wouldn't have had to buy uh, that but for the surrogacy and I for me actually as an IP being through two journeys we never really thought of it like that but I think that's a a really good analogy really to help people understand how they should approach expenses now as an IP I remember the conversations we had around money and expensive with our surrogate, there was no friction involved. And often friction can be involved when we're talking about money. Well, I think we had a very straightforward journey and expenses wasn't something that we struggled with. Those of you that know me, I'm quite upfront in in uh, how I am. So for me, everything has to be black and white. So I think I remember having very early conversations about what expenses look like. We had a really simple approach, which they were really... Uh, Caroline and Dave were really happy with. We asked them to complete an expense form every month. We agreed the parameters of what her reasonable expenses were at the start, but then every month she documented it on an expense form, which she sent us every month, and then anything on top of what we'd agreed was was there. So we did have this infrastructure in place, but I think when we speak to intended parents, uh, a lot of the questions we get around expenses are they just people just don't understand them. And from a, from an IP's perspective as well is that people IP's often can be quite frightened. They, they don't want to look like they're penny pinching. My big concern around expenses is just that I don't want people to be taken advantage of. I want people to be transparent. I want everyone to be on the same page and I want everyone to agree what those expenses are. Gina, from your point of view, as a, as a surrogate, you give me the flip side of my IP coin. What's your view on it and how do you think surrogates should approach the, the, you know, the, whole, the whole process of expenses? So I think that, that surrogates don't need to be frightened of expenses. No one's expecting you to keep every single receipt. No one's expecting you to count every strawberry or, or extra thing that you've incurred as a cost of pregnancy. But it's about being mindful about what is a cost that you would incur in your normal day-to-day life and then what is for surrogacy. I have sports therapy massages every month. My actual therapist couldn't provide my massages because they were 
she wasn't qualified for doing pregnancy massages. So I had to source a different therapist, which was slightly more expensive. Because I have those massages anyway, then that shouldn't come under expe- uh, surrogacy cost. So, but the difference does. The same as you're not, you're not going to go into a, a supermarket and separate, this is surrogacy stuff, this is normal weekly shop. But it's just about being mindful about how much of your weekly shopping is down to surrogacy. So it's about deciding how much extra are you spending during the pregnancy on your weekly shop. Is it 10%? Is it 20%? And everybody is different. You know, some people have one child, some people have six children. So it does vary from person to person. So it's about doing what's right for you. I also think it's about being reasonable and being fair. And I don't think that's too much to ask. You know, I think it's about approaching this, taking into account both sides, both IPs and surrogates and saying, well, you know, what do we all need to make this the most, you know, smooth and frictionless journey as possible? Hmm. Well, transparency there. Surely that's the, the, the key in your communication about what those expenses are going to be. It's quite difficult because the, uh, the surrogate entering the arena for the first time might not necessarily anticipate what those expenses could be. If she's had children before, then she's probably likely to be able to predict it slightly better, but not every surrogate has. I, I think the, the discussion and the transparency about those is so important, but the ability for the IPs to trust the surrogate in what, what is happening requires that conversation to be nice and early on in that journey. So everybody knows what's likely to happen, and you're going to likely have that discussion. And then come the end of it, you have that discussion again and, and pull your, your trust together. And during the course of the journey, take the food bill, you obviously, some people, you can put a subtotal in your, your receipts. So if there are particular items which we're expecting to be in there, they're nice and easy to identify. But if you have to get a, a larger bag of, of strawberries than you would otherwise, that's very hard to sort of say, well, I'm going to put seven strawberries in the in the other subtotal and, and, and yeah. the, right, the remainder in this one. Um, and I think it's very, very practical and very good advice to say to people, take a, a practical view of that and allocate about it but very clear about what you're allocating not talking about seven strawberries i'm talking about a broad about 10 percent of that was allocated to it you can't say the whole of your shopping bill was a reasonable expense that's staffed but the the common sense approach is actually really important for people to grasp here so they're not worried about the expenses and worried about uh, doing that because it's something that you should be incurring and it's natural for a surrogate to be putting those expenses down and be reimbursed for them that's what the whole thing is about but that transparency and the, the discussion is really important to have nice, nice and early uh, so there's no confusion later on when that could actually cause us more of a problem. At My Surrogacy Journey, we encourage balance between intended parents and that no one you know, has more or less power. And I think expenses can sometimes be one of those mechanisms that shifts the power. So for me, being as transparent as possible and having everything discussed and agreed within the parameters of, you know, an allowance is really important because the last thing a surrogate wants to have to do is to be going cap in hand to a set of IPs and making her feel like she's having to ask for more money because that's not that's not pleasant for anyone. And equally, we don't want the IPs on the other side saying, well, we didn't budget for that. That wasn't agreed. We all know that the the better you plan the, the, the better the outcome. So Gina, talk to us about how you approached the planning element of, you know, what your reasonable expenses were with your sets of intended parents. Yeah, so I, I basically did a breakdown. I had some headings, some subheadings. I thought about 
what I used during my last pregnancy. I also sort of sat there with, and on Google and Googled some sort of cost of maternity clothes and cost of items, you know, like sanitary products. And I then sort of jotted down and I didn't do it all in one go. I kind of spread it over a few months, came back to it, thought, oh, yeah, I remember using that during a pregnancy. So came down and, and came back to the list and, and jotted it down. I then chatted to Fran and Mark on quite a regular basis about what sort of things they were happy for me to sort of put down in expenses. Um, I gave them an idea of what my expectations were and they again reciprocated with what they expected. So I think having that open conversation about what your expectations are is really key to sort of sitting down and working out what your budget of your expenses are. What I hear a lot in particularly some of the independent sector, is a lot of anecdotal information around expenses. One that springs to mind is, you know, claiming from your IPs for a new mattress if your waters break on your bed. Lots of different things out there, which I think can often be quite confusing for IPs and certainly confusing for new surrogates because, you know, this is this is their source of truth often when they are from that and, and they rely on that community to help them understand all of those components. You are heavily involved in hope. Do you often or have you seen or, or conversations on hope or in any of the surrogate only groups around those types of specifics around expenses? So Hope is an independent group designed to support and, and help those going through an independent journey. So some of the um, things that pop out in expenses quite often is what you can put down as your expenses and what you can't. And I think there's sometimes people think that there are specific items, for argument's sake, like a gardener or a cleaner or, like you say, a mattress. Can something be deemed as expenses or can't it? I think, again, it's very individual. In the grand scheme of things, like a mattress, it's unlikely, A, that your waters will go. Uh, there's only one in five people in, in a pregnancy that where their waters will actually break. And again, if you then look at when your waters are going to break in a 24-hour period, what's the likelihood of them actually breaking while you're on the bed? What you don't want to happen is to have that mattress as, yes, every single surrogate is now going to claim a mattress um, just because she can. So I think it's it's looking at every expense and deeming it whether or not it's actually for surrogate expenses and is it acceptable would you be happy to pay that as a surrogate expense if you were the ip and i think surrogates generally have to be mindful looking at your expenses if you were the ip if the shoe was on the other foot would you be happy paying those expenses to your surrogate but in here the for me i come back perhaps from a slightly different angle the the but for test but the if if your waters break on a mattress and your bed and you can't use it and so she is the surrogate is going to replace it then that's an expense that's been incurred as a result of the pregnancy so it is a it is a reasonable expense to do but if you put it in the budget and you then don't have your waters break on the bed you don't get the mattress because it, it's got nothing to do with the surrogacy. You can't just get yeah, a new mattress yeah, yeah. For, for fun and games. There's a difference there between budgeting for it, which maybe Bill and I alert going, well, actually, maybe we should, should budget for that just in case, versus what actually transpired. And you don't get something unless that expense has been incurred as a result of the surrogacy or but for the surrogacy itself. But on the flip side, the IPs have to be 
balance and work to the idea that just because it's not in the budget doesn't mean you shouldn't be considering it as a reasonable expense just because you didn't anticipate you were going to break your waters on the bed and she needs to replace the mattress that is actually a reasonable expense you really should be in my humble view anyway on the hook for that to help with her she wouldn't have done that but for the surrogacy so the the concept has to be relatively malleable there's always going to be stuff in the budget isn't there that which doesn't come up you don't spend you aren't being audited on your budget but everybody knows a budget has to have some flexibility and give as things move between columns um and i think that for me the the mattress and other examples are a good way of saying best laid plans and all that jazz but let's look at it realistically at the end of the day what costs what expenses were incurred as a result of the surrogacy journey. Oh, and I think um, and it generally differs, costings and expenses and, and sort of the way family lives and conducts their life also varies between sort of area, whether you're up north, whether you're down south. I mean, the tr- cost of childcare varies hugely um, dependent on the area that you're in. So a surrogate for maybe, you know, in a London, maybe paying nearly twice the amount of childcare costs as somebody that lives up in Rotherham. So, again, I think you need to make sure that you're, you know, you don't have to have the exact expense in each pot, but it's what you would... And you can move the pots around, like like you say, Andrew, you know, things don't necessarily... You're not... Just because you think you're going to spend, I don't know, £700 on maternity clothes, you might have the next-door neighbour turn around and say, oh, do you want to borrow these maternity clothes? You know, you're not going to say no to it. But then you can move that money into a different pot. Perhaps you've spent less in in another pot. Or like we always say to all our surrogates, just because somebody is paying you £15,000 in expenses doesn't mean to say you have to spend every penny of those £15,000. So you might get to the end of the pregnancy and it's gone fantastically well. You've had lots of help. You've, you've said thank you. You've given flowers, whatever. And you've still got another £3,000 left in your pot. You should give it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a target to get to, is it? And it's not a, no. a flat fee and then you, you sort of... And then on the flip side for IPs, I would say, you know, you can't just give the £15,000 and then not have any responsibility for what's actually happening there. But it's a it's a two-way street, as everything in surrogacy is. It's a balance of trust, but a two-way street between both IPs and surrogates. Andrew, how does the court view that? So in terms of, you know, the point where parental order application's gone in, just just talk to me about who's liable for that application is that the ips and who's liable for the information that's within that application yes so it's it's the ips application for the parental order it's their responsibility to make sure they can actually make the application and as you said at the start the the critical feature here is the ability for the ips to demonstrate that it is reasonable expenses that have been incurred as a result of the surrogacy i I struggle with the idea that you can delegate as ips i mean I, i find it quite problematic actually that you can delegate that to the surrogate alone just to manage without any input from an intended parents or intended parents i can imagine that there are some items which the surrogate may not wish to always disclose as specific items uh, whether it's that they're not comfortable talking about sanitary products uh, mm. with two male ips absolutely fine um but there does need to be some clarity where the ips can see within the broad heading that that has been an expense that's been incurred and should it be necessary and if the court were to ask for evidence of it then the the surrogate is responsible for providing that evidence the 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 breakdown of the monthly estimate as to about what's been what's been spent is actually a really really good way of doing it and i suppose well on that the the practical way of dealing with that quite a lot of the surrogates and ips that i talk to have a separate bank account 
or the surrogate will have a separate bank account and actually have a separate card. And it makes it so easy because if you've got stuff which is actually for a surrogacy journey, you just pay for it on that, that, that account rather than your personal account. So when you come to the end of your journey, you just rattle off the statement. The surrogate says, oh, that's this, that was this, and that was these ones because you've kept it separate from your own personal money. And if there's a balance left over, return to sender. 
Gina, what was your experience with getting to know with your IPs? How did you manage that? You know, who pays the bill? Who pays for travel? All of those things. We were quite equal, actually, in our getting to know. We were, you know, I felt like I was invested in this journey. You know, I went into surrogacy for my reasons. It wasn't just about giving a baby to somebody else. It, it Fran and I discussed where we would meet often it would be halfway so we would make our own way there you know I was very invested in in meeting them I wanted to get to know them we shared costs really I mean we met at a pub for some food and actually my husband ran up and paid the bill before they even got a chance to so you know we took it in turns really so however if we had to go to a a clinic appointment or we did sort of any investigation with regards to anything to do with the surrogacy then obviously my IPs you know felt that it was their their turn to pay for something but getting to know I think definitely should be 50 50 I don't I don't think it should sort of tip either way either the surrogate or or the IPs. I think you know it's really important to be open and honest with you as a team you know if you're in a getting to know period and actually have those conversations really early on about actually so who is gonna how are we going to approach this as a team how are we going to approach this and let's get everyone's opinion on the table and like start the getting to know period where everyone knows exactly where they stand now I know this might be in an ideal world but I feel really strongly that this this relationship should you should set the tone for that at the start of the relationship and by everyone investing and giving their opinion and agreeing about how everyone moves forward now we all we all know that no one wants to talk about money i th- i just think it's about being fair you know about being being transparent and actually trying to build a relationship and work with each other and there's no right or wrong way is there i mean it doesn't have to be 50-50 it could be 70-30 or it could be 80-20 whatever whatever suits the situation and obviously there are surrogates that that are not as well off as some some couples or other surrogates so they may not be able to travel 20 30 miles to meet their ips they might not be able to afford to go out to the pub for dinner and pay for a whole meal out two or three times a month or whatever so it's like you say it's about having that open conversation about what's going to suit everybody and I actually think that people if that conversation was had I think you if you ask most people as a result of that conversation did they feel better and I would say most people absolutely would because I think then at least everyone knows where they stand and I think it's just it is just about being open and honest and that's that's my my view on it Andrew said something about dating, didn't you, earlier? It's <laughs> yes. a bit like going on a date. It's a bit like going on a first date, yes. There isn't there isn't a rule or regulation, and I can tell you now that the court isn't really going to be too fussed on what your outcome or what the answer is. And it's it's something which is bespoke to you as an individual and bespoke to your journey. And on a first date, when you meet somebody for the first time, who pays for the food bill? You know, when you go for a date, you meet up, uh, assuming you go for dinner, Maybe just go for drinks. Who knows? But you, when you go for, for your dinner date, who picks up the bill? It's that awkwardness, isn't it? Because you aren't sure. But you gauge the situation. You know the individual. You either pick up the bill because you're being generous or you go Dutch. And it's uh, the same in a lot of things. But when you're getting to know each other, it's a bit like going on dates for the first time. You're starting to feel each other out to figure out what they will and won't uh, like about stuff, whether you are a good match or not. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the the worst thing you can be is prescriptive and say, right, all journeys, whatever happens, the IPs always pay for everything. You know, and that, that mentality is wrong, just as the other way is 
you know the surrogate must pay all always for for her share of it and until you're matched you're not responsible for paying for anything for the surrogate it's it's two two sides of an extreme which are wrong on both sides aren't they and quite likely to alienate both the surrogate and the ips quite quickly if you're not careful and you can go on free dates you can go for a walk in the park you yeah. can come to each other's houses so it doesn't all have to be sort of dinners out or or you know traveling hundreds of miles to to, to go to a show or anything like that it can be you can keep the costs down so oh I'm an expensive date <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that you know if you are at the really early stages of getting to know and potentially looking to match with a, a, a surrogate and you're already feeling uncomfortable about the situation where expenses are brought up and you're not really feeling the fact that you you feel that it's one-sided now if you're having those conversations and feeling uncomfortable about potential travel and dinner then maybe this isn't the right match for you because you're going to be having much more serious conversations further down the line about you know probably a lot more uh bigger expenses to come so if that if that isn't if that feeling isn't there at the start and getting to know then you're probably not matched with the right person Definitely. i would say yeah yeah, yeah no i agree so, Gina, just before we finish off, and we're going to talk to uh, Andrew specifically about the law reform, what advice would you give to your future self? You know, any or anyone who's thinking of become, becoming a surrogate, what 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 would those nuggets of advice be? Because you're a very experienced surrogate, and you also are very active in the independent group, so you see the whole broad spectrum of what surrogacy has. Going forward, I think it's better for surrogates to to really get into a good practice of working out your breakdowns so they're they're nice and thorough think of ever of everything and then get into a habit of actually if you're buying something big then keep a receipt but just being open and honest really and and think about the stuff that you're going to show Kafkas when it comes to it and think about how it's going to look at the PO at the hearing you're entirely right, though. It's the it's the presentation to the parental order and to the judge. The judge is the one who is determining whether these are yeah, reasonable yeah. expenses. And if the surrogate doesn't keep receipts and doesn't keep these the, the detail to it, while it might be quite easy for them to sort of throw something away or not keep a receipt, you cause the intended parents or could potentially cause the intended parents some rather embarrassment in saying, we gave them a load of money and we don't actually know what it was spent on if that's not a commercial arrangement i really sort of struggle to see what it is and it's quite careless of the intended parents to to let that slip yeah and also think it, I, it helps the surrogate as well if she's got an actual spreadsheet to work from and she can see clearly where her money is going then it will help her sort of moving forward but on the flip side just to be balanced about it as well you the ips can't treat it as a an iron band around the surrogate for expending they, they don't see no, that you must spend money on that or you don't get anything at all it's nothing that's moved around to different parts that we we're talking about earlier it's it's ensuring this transparency and there is rigor to actually what is actually being spent but it's not a straight jacket i think is what i was looking for yeah and i might need six tins of peaches instead of two <laughs> okay so let's talk andrew about the long-awaited law reform and the impact that you think this will have, particularly on expenses. Yes, uh, I'm very excited about law reform and, and the uh, the report, which is due next year. They moved the date back a little bit, but um, I think autumn 2022 is when we're currently looking at it coming through. And then when we say reform, it's the recommendations from the Law Commission uh, of both England and Wales and Scotland. The, the critical feature for us in this is that they are looking and spent a lot of time looking at expenses. And unsurprisingly, their answer was, it's complicated. 
well, there's a there's a sort of no-brainer for you. However, what they're trying to do is get a lot of different canvassing, a lot of different opinion. And hopefully what will come out the end of that and a lot of the canvassing will be at least some general criteria and general uh, guidance on, on to help surrogates and help IPs and sustain domestically what those could be. But the critical feature is the surrogacy uh, agreement and the, the intention document that is usually done at the start and that there is uh, there was in the suggestion we'll see whether it comes through that the expenses and the elements of expenses uh, once they are budgeted and put within the agreement could be enforceable actually against the intended parents that if the intended parents don't pay it because this is one of the concerns that surrogates could be left without the uh, the, the reimbursements of costs they're actually incurring as a result of the surrogacy journey, then the surrogate should be able to enforce that against the intended parents. Notably, the recommendation was it doesn't work the other way around, that the intended parents can't enforce the surrogacy agreement uh, as a contract for the purposes of the parental order. So if the relationship's gone south, you still can't use that as a mechanism to shoehorn the parental order through. But we'll see what comes through in the recommendations. This is something which obviously is a bit of a, a hot potato in its own way, but and then even the recommendations have got to get through Parliament, so it might not even survive that. No, and I think for me, you know, if 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 expenses can be included in intention agreements and are, and are very robust and, and detailed, then I think that's that's a real positive because I think with a robust intention agreement, everyone should know where they stand. And, you know, for my surrogacy journey, we have a very detailed intention agreement and that's really designed to help people understand all of the components and think about every single thing that could be a possibility throughout their journey so that both parties are on the same page and have thought of everything. So primarily to stop any friction further down the line, really. And I don't think, I think surrogates can feel empowered and confident in their expenses. They don't need to hide away. They don't need to sort of hide that ice cream that they had, you know, walking down the road or anything like that. I think they need to be, they feel confident of what they've spent their expenses on. You know, they are necessary, they are needed. And hopefully that will be recognised as well. If one thing that comes out of this podcast is that the listener, whether you're an intended parent or you're a surrogate, or just a supporter, is if this podcast gives you greater clarity, gives you a better understanding, and equips you with a bit more confidence to be able to say, actually, I don't agree with that, but maybe let's look at this. Then then for me, that that's what this is all about. So if you liked this, then please listen to the rest of the series. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, ACAS, Spotify, and my Surrogacy Journey member portal. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.